Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Hello everybody, welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where two brothers give an unsolicited summary of all these Spider-Man comics done by the original creative team of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. I'm one of the co-hosts, my name is Will Hines. I'm the other one of your co-hosts, and my name is Kevin Hines. Guys, this is exciting because, as always, I'm coming from Los Angeles and Kevin's coming from New York. So we got both sides of the country's perspective covered here. Yeah. And in fact, normally I say I'm from New York, but I'm actually in New Jersey. This time I'm actually in New York City. You're really in Manhattan. So, yeah, yeah. you sound more cosmopolitan. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we have a special guest this episode, our first ever guest. Please welcome Alex Fernie. Hello, Alex. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, once Fernie heard that we were doing a Spider-Man podcast, he contacted me and asked if he could be on it, which I'm we're totally glad to have you on it. It's the only time I've ever asked to be on a podcast. And also saying I contacted you seems, that makes it seem like I like... You badgered me. Yeah. I think you, I just saw you and said, hey, I want to You were casual podcast. and nice about it, but I'm trying to get the history to show that you assaulted me mm-hmm. and were real weird about it. On stage if during... If it was up to us, there'd be no guests this week. But yep. Fernie bullied us into it. I made it easier just to say yes. <laughs> um Fernie's a, a friend of ours from UCB, and he's a writer-director who's done a bunch of cool stuff, including uh, Bajillion Dollar Properties, on which was on CISO, R.E.P., R.I.P., and now that's on iTunes. And he you recently directed some episodes of the Rob Hubel series, Do You Want to See a Dead Body? That's right, on YouTube Red. Yeah, that's super funny, and I got to be in one of the episodes, so uh, check oh, it out. now we get it. That's why yeah. Fernie's here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Fernie's also a big comics fan. And in particular, as a fan of these early Ditko issues, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people—I uh, mean, a lot of people, of course—love Spider-Man. But I—I I don't think as many have dug deep into these early issues as I think should, because I think they're so awesome. Uh, but you—you you were a fan of it already, right, Fernie? You have yeah. this omnibus. Yeah, I have the big omnibus. Like, I'm, I'm slowly going through, uh, sort of starting at Amazing Fantasy 15 and just trying to like make my way through all the way through Amazing Spider-Man until it like, gets too tedious, probably around like mid 90s. Yeah, um, Clone Saga. Time. Yeah. And I'll probably check out, but the uh, uh, like because I've read. I, I don't know if I'd ever read them all in order until fairly recently. Like yeah. I would read them here and there, yeah, uh, which kind of serves those early ones. Yeah. Um, but Spider-Man's always been my favorite superhero. I'm growing up loving it so much. Um, so it's really fun to to read these back from back then. As I think it, figuring it out. Yeah, and isn't it fun just to read? Like you sort of have to. It's like when you watch an old movie, you kind of have to adjust your mindset. And be like, oh yeah, these came out decades ago, so I have to adjust a little bit for maybe how square the dialogue is mm-hmm. or something. But a lot of it still works, I think. And like, you're, the, you know, this is issue eight, uh, so it's not even into whether the dialogue gets real crazy when they discover youth culture. Oh yeah, uh, once the hippies enter yeah. the Marvel universe, then it gets every, real special. It's crazy. Every Every line is like, say, Gwendy, you're going down to the coffee bean yeah. for some wild, you know, wagon. And you're like, what, the, what does that mean? Yeah, that happens more after Ditko leaves and John yeah. Romita comes on because that's when they get into the coffee bean stories yep. and all that stuff. <laughs> Right, that's the coffee place they hang out at, yeah. right? Yeah. And they almost the never Spider-Man show was it. Fr- was friends before friends existed. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, because the hippies enter Marvel culture, but all the stories are mostly still being written by men in their mid to late forties, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> who's like their knowledge of hippies is basically kind of noticing the beats in the 50s. So all their hippies have like soul patches yep. and like berets and stuff like that. When Jack Kirby goes to DC, he like does an episode, uh, an issue of Jimmy Olsen where it's like the flower power kids protest Superman or something like that. It's huh. like this doesn't work 
but noble attempt at being cool by Jack Kirby in the early 70s. There's a later post-Dicko Spider-Man issue where it's it, it, what it amounts to, and it happens over a couple of issues, is Peter Parker meets a black person. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then the storyline, and I, it might be Prowler. I, I forget if it is or if it's if it's a different character, is then like there's like a sort of civil rights e you know, Stan Lee's version of a Black Panther group. Mm. And he's really torn. What do I do? Like, yeah, do is I violence this? the answer? Yeah. And it's real. It's, it's, did not have his finger on the pulse of that particular <laughs> struggle. Yeah. I feel like Spider Man was anti protest tests at first. Yep. There's a couple times where he flab like, get out of the way. <laughs> and he's just angry that people are protesting the war. Yeah, he's, you know, he's pro-establishment. He's pro-police. Mm-hmm. And it is just unfortunate. I feel bad for Stan. He's just a guy in his late 40s who, who happened to find his greatest success at the same time that, like, America was going through these hugely complicated issues. Like, it's not easy to talk about race stuff still mm-hmm. or protests. And there wasn't a ton of room in your 22-page four-color Marvel comic to really get at the nuances <laughs> of being against the police. Yeah. What Stanley was better at was uh, knowing how living brains think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Which brings us back to this issue. This is uh, We're doing issue eight of Amazing Spider-Man, which is the tribute to teenagers issue, <laughs> which is the single dumbest and best title we've had so far and the villain is a, is a robot called the living brain and then there's also a backup featurette featuring the human torch yep um now how is this a tribute to teenagers very teenagers in it <laughs> we do see peter's friends from high school maybe more than we've seen them so far yeah this is the most we've spent with flash thompson at the very least and the human torch thing starts at a teenager's party so i don't know and, and, what a and tribute. he's a teenager right torch is a teenager and i yeah. I, I, I would say to this issue is like may i don't maybe i'm wrong but peter parker's the bad guy in the he's <laughs> such an asshole in both he really stories is. he's a monster like the first thing that happens is flash this they wheel in this insane robot <laughs> And Flash is like, basically, hey, look at that creepy robot. And Peter Parker's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, Peter Parker just snaps and picks a fight with Flash. Flash is a bully, sure. I'm I'm with Flash in this issue. Like, <laughs> Peter Parker is making him look small and stupid. Well, he's it's even worse. Most- he's even worse in the backup. He just picked oh, a fight with a human torch for no reason. Yeah, he, he crashes a party where the human torch is just having a nice time. He and abs- no one wants him there. Spider-Man is the bad guy in the human torch story. Yeah. It's the most aggressive we've seen Peter Parker. But then again, he's been tortured and bullied. I mean, this is sort of like the end of Carrie, but <laughs> instead of Peter using telekinesis to like bring down the high school and all of his high sc- and all of his uh, students, he's going to use his spider powers to beat up Flash in a boxing ring. At the suggestion of a teacher. <laughs> he and Flash keep fighting and the teacher's like, why don't you guys fight? <laughs> and then they're like, okay. It is so yeah, great. The teacher doesn't chime in when Flash destroys his glasses. He doesn't chime in. <laughs> until, you know, like he's like, yeah, get in the ring. And nobody believes Peter can win. So why would anyone? <laughs> oh, it would be the worst thing. I can't imagine if I was in high school and someone's like, fight this big, strong guy, Kevin. No. Now, I feel. I hate to interrupt the flow, but I feel a need to referee our recently created segments, Kevin, and go yeah. through them and, and note how we don't have any content for most of them. Yeah, we have a lot of segments and they're all blank this week. For so, no fault of our own, I Let me just go through them. First segment. Do we have any Spidey news or podcast news? I mean, in our defense, there can't be Spider-Man news 
reviews every week. I think there should be. And there isn't this week. Uh, rebooting it every two years is not fast enough for this podcast. Sure. You want a new um, movie announced every week. <laughs> I mean, I'll take cartoons or, or spinoffs or scandals, anything. Okay. I love a Spider-Man scandal. Yeah. Um, any, uh, what's going on in the Marvel Universe this month, Kevin, when this issue was published? I mean, uh, everything's the same as last month. The new Iron Man is still making his uh, self-known with his fancy new armor. Red and gold Iron Man. Yeah. That's basically about it. Hulk has quit Avengers, but he shows up this issue anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk, yeah, I love them. I love Marvel not knowing what to do with Hulk, really, for the whole time he's existed. Yeah, he uh, quits the Avengers and then comes back this month with the Submariner to fight the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> He's also like the only threat that can like take on a whole team of superheroes, really. Yeah, he's the only credible uh, guy who could take on the Avengers single-handedly. Um, okay, well, why don't we go through this issue page by page? Let's let's tell the story because this is I, I actually really enjoyed it though. I, I had a lot of fun reading this. In my mind, uh, this it, issue should be terrible, and I love this issue. I love this issue <laughs> almost. I say as much as last month. Um, they're getting into a, a, so, you know, Fernie, we're doing like one issue per episode. Yes. And I, I've definitely noticed in the last couple, they're getting a real handle on like having fun with the characters. Like the initial couple Spider-Man issues were more dark and serious. And this guy who's like uncle died. And um, it, it's, it's kind of more just like bad guy versus good guy, all business. But now still. Stan Lee, at least, is really getting into the fun of like the teenagers messing with Peter and Peter messing with Flash. And it's getting more lighthearted uh, in a great way. It's like the missing ingredient from the early issues is this like fun. And this one has a lot of it. This one also feels to me like one where Stan Lee kind of went, ah, figure it out, Dicko. <laughs> like, I'm going to give you a bunch of just words. Yeah. And nothing like there's a whole, there's whole segments in here where you can tell Dicko's going, ah, okay, well, they're just talking for so long. Yeah. And then this well, robot is not clearly defined in any way, shape or form. I, I think he gave him less than that. Usually what Stan Lee would do would give him like a two page typewritten treatment basically and the Ditko would have to break it down and then Lee would put the dialogue over mm -hmm. so I think it was like we're gonna do a tribute to teenagers <laughs> first giant robot also Peter and Flash fight work it out <laughs> something like that is what I imagine happened I also wonder if this if this story is shorter to make room for the human torch fight which Ditko I think inks but doesn't pencil to buy Ditko time since the book is now monthly hmm. I was like, yeah they've just gone monthly so give him a short give him like a lighter workload like fewer Maybe. pages Maybe. I don't know. Um, or, so maybe get into it. or maybe they were working on the annual at this time. Just so many. I don't know. I can't conceive of why. Maybe Ditko had a cold. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he only yeah. pencils. He pencils fewer pages. He inks the other pages because the uh, Marvel machine overworked all their artists. So, <laughs> um, Okay, so let's get into this. So we're, we're dealing with the living brain. On page one, we're with Peter and his classmates in in his high school classroom and the teacher has <laughs> wheeled in a huge green classic sci-fi looking robot called the living brain. Yeah. This is robot this is apparently something that's being wheeled around to all high schools as, uh, <laughs> uh, to show off the ICM uh, genius, the international computing machines corporation. <laughs> is this teacher miles Warren? Is this the yeah. jackal? It is right. Like that in oh, uh, hundreds of issues later brother. Cause there's another miles Warren. There's another Warren who, 
is his college teacher that's related to this teacher. That's right. Because, yeah, okay, because this is Mr. Warren. Wait, this is the first time hearing about this. That's oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Yes, his his high school <laughs> science teacher and his college science teacher are related. I'm not sure they might be brothers or cousins. And the college one becomes a supervillain. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to know if this, this guy, robot was all part of the Jackal's plan. This guy is not a villain in any way, shape, or form. He's just sort of a bad, a bad guy <laughs> for this, this these youths. I mean, he's not a good teacher. He no. lets a lot of bullying go on right under his nose. A lot of bullying. Yeah. Most of the students just read gossip mags. And he also, like, these two guys that bring the robot in are clearly criminals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the two guys so wheeling two- the robot in are the thugs that stole the safe a few issues ago. I mean, they look no different. Yeah, Ditko always draws villains looking the same and they just have like these sort of 40s mobster look with like like weird like pork pie hats and like <laughs> tight short sleeve shirts to show off their muscles. Um, right away, Flash and Peter get into it. Like the teacher asks Peter to help with the robot. Um, Flash and Peter are kind of messing around. Flash destroys Peter's glasses, which he basically never has again, right? Oh, does that get rid of them? Yeah, he never has them again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Peter loses his glasses on page one, never to wear them again. Yeah, his comment is just... I didn't need those specs anyway. It's so somehow his spider powers healed his eyesight, and he never mentioned it until now. Wearing the, glasses well, the when thing you is, don't need them hurts. It's retroactive that they've decided that's why he stopped wearing them, I think. But it's I think here it's just they didn't they wanted to draw him different. They wanted to make him better looking, maybe. I don't know. He is pretty hunky later on. When he takes off his shirt, it's like, wait a minute, why are they so certain Peter's gonna lose? Yeah, they call him a string bean, yeah, but he's like jacked. super ripped. Yeah. Um But yeah, here he just says, I didn't need them, as if he never needed them. <laughs> It doesn't make I sense. Remember, I remember as a kid being like, oh, cool. I was wearing glasses when I first read these when I was like 10 or something. And I was like, oh, I wish I could just grow out of my glasses and not have to wear <laughs> yeah. them. Um, okay, so we get into the demonstration of the living brain. Which is a horrible Stanley name. Like that is, it's wrong on all counts. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's alive. not living. All brains are living. Yeah. For real. Uh, and <laughs> it's not a brain. It's, it's, it's a, it's a weird two-legged spindly box. <laughs> it's a robot. If it's, you tell me the villain is a living brain, I'm not picturing a huge robot. No, this oh, is no. the opposite of what I would picture. <laughs> this is a this is a robot on wheels. This is a computer on wheels. It's not even a robot, really. And it shows on, on page two, I think one of my favorite things about it is how little they gave any thought to what robots do, because there's two panels that are bragging about the fact that the robot has basically joints and ball bearings. Yeah. Like, it moves on ball bearings, and that's part of, like, Doc Ock has these arms, and yeah. Electro shoots electricity and this just has ball bearings on its its feet. It's one of the things they do in Marvel Comics, which is by giving us close-ups and telling us it's important, we just have to accept that the technology (laughs) is high. But I gotta (laughs) say, when I was was a kid, it worked. I was like, ooh, that robot is strong. This is like, this is a formidable enemy. Um, Okay, so the first thing... This robot is a lame threat, but I I don't know. No part of this issue bothers me anyway. Well, Ditko, as always, has a great visual design. I mean, it looks like dated in like an old 50s movie, but it also is, it looks solid it looks strong it's unique it is it is not just a gray metal aluminum box like ditko always gives everything a little flair and this robot has pretty pretty good style I also think the subplot with uh, uh, Peter just carries so much weight in the story that you don't care what the threat is. Yeah. um, Peter and Flash are closer to coming to blows than they ever have. Um, But this is a cool little twist. The the teacher asks Peter to, uh, you know, Peter as the star student, the nerd, the panty waist, 
<laughs> star student bullied by everybody, including the teachers often, is asked to help with the robot. And oh, also we see the two guys who helped in are definitely criminals. We hear them plotting to steal the robot. What's their plan? They want to steal it because it can figure out who will win horse races. <laughs> <laughs> That's also, the extent of the imagination. The criminals, these criminals the are criminals watching are... what's happening is like Peter needs to understand computer language to interact with this. They'll never be able to get these answers from the robot. It's a bad um, plan. It's a bad plan. It's more criminals in this. All the criminals in Spider-Man universe, they just want to steal bags of money. They have no ambition beyond just like grabbing cash. <laughs> Um, so as Peter steps up to work with the robot and the, the, the scientist who is demonstrating says, all right, what questions should we ask the uh, living brain? And this, I love this plot twist. They're like, oh, let's ask him to figure out Spider-Man's real identity. Liz Allen suggests this. Peter Parker immediately goes into a flop sweat. (laughs) (laughs) It's genuinely a good story twist. It's like, well, you have the real Spider-Man entering the information into a brain. And what if he can figure it out? And he's standing right there. It's a great um i mean it's a great idea they also give the canon of they they go like well what do we know about spider-man and it's his height his weight he's in forest hills a lot and then liz allen thinks he's glamorous but like they just describe peter uh (laughs) to it like the person who's sweating silently next to them they're like well he's a lot like peter parker yeah he's got about the same frame and shape of peter parker he he, we see him in peter's neighborhood a lot (laughs) forest hills his voice sort of Uh, sounds like peter parker but behind cloth Um, yeah, of course, Liz, as the girl, is just speaking in romantic terms because Stan Lee doesn't know what women are. Mm-hmm. But I love that there's this other student who just yeah. says, if you ask me, he's a neurotic nut. Like, there's always people who hate Spider-Man. Yeah. Was that entered into the robot that some people think he's neurotic? <laughs> <laughs> if so, that should have triggered the Peter Parker answer. So Peter dutifully enters everything they say somehow. He's dreading what the answer is. We have a moment of dramatic tension. The and robot. He, he flashes to, like, why he's worried. And it's a picture of J. Jonah Jameson, Aunt May, and then the Vulture. <laughs> who, like, they really they really think Vulture's going to be their guy in these early issues. They're like, Vulture's the number one. He's going to be the arch-villain. Yeah. A spider versus a vulture, just like nature intended. <laughs> He's the only guy that's shown up twice. Um, you know, and the living brain doesn't have the legs to show up again. They know that already. <laughs> the living brain didn't show up again until like the slot run recently, I think. He showed yeah, up he, again? Yeah. yeah Doc Ock's brain back. gets put into the living brain. <laughs> and so the Doc Ock is secretly controlling the living brain. Yeah. <laughs> there was a storyline where Doc Ock was in Spider-Man's body and he <laughs> has a living brain as an assistant <laughs> to help him do lab work. And it's just a series of gags of how shitty the living brain is. Like, it's just he comes and go click, 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 click. Would you like a drink? Like, now he can talk so they don't have to read this little weird piece of paper. Uh, and he, yeah. that's all he does. He, like, serves oh, love people for a while and then becomes mm-hmm. Dr. Octopus and is still in love with his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird and very fun. I got to find it. All right. So the brain, um, do we skip a page here? So the living brain spits out its answer, but it's all in mathematical symbols, which I guess are just letters and numbers. Like they're like, Peter, you read it. Oh, it's in a code. Figure it out. It's in code. So you, Peter, the student that just volunteered, you take it home. Not the scientists presenting the brain, not the people who built the machine. And it's going to take you overnight to decode a pretty small scrap of paper. Mm -hmm. But that buys Peter some time. 
too, right? It's there's nothing about that that looks decodable. No, it's just it's like four B nine five one zero. I'm actually reading it. Yeah. Um. Okay, but that buys Peter some time. Uh, he can figure out some story when he's the one to decode it. And the criminals are getting ready to make their move. They're plotting. But then Peter and Flash start fighting again because Flash tries to yank the paper out of Peter's hand because he's too weak to take care of it. <laughs> yeah, he's too physically weak to handle the decoding. You need the high school quarterback to do it. But I, this is the only time in the story where Peter's aggression makes sense. Like, yeah. he's holding what could be his secret identity. So when Flash tries to grab it, he forcibly shoves Flash away. This is the only, like, emotionally justified Peter aggression that we're going to see. He's protecting well, his secret identity. And Flash just broke his glasses. Even if he didn't need them, Flash didn't know that. But the teacher finally chimes in and says, you guys are going to the gym to box. The teacher says, I've had my eyes on you two for a while. But he let it all happen. <laughs> yeah, he did nothing. And we're just going to let you fight it out in the gym like men. Now, maybe that makes him a bad teacher. I'm going to say it definitely makes him a bad teacher. <laughs> But when I was a kid, I was so excited to see Peter Parker fight Flash Thompson, like to yeah. fight off against his bully. And he's got spider powers on his side. Like I couldn't wait to see Flash Thompson get his. So this story might be ridiculous. The living brain is a dumb idea, but I'm all on board with this subplot. I was super, I am super excited to see it happen. Uh, so they head to the gym <laughs> and, they, and everybody comes to watch them fight. And everybody. It does no, it does no attempt. Normally you'd be like, oh, we're going to see Peter worry or stress about this literally the next panel on the same page peter parker is shirtless with boxing gloves on <laughs> just ready to go these short marvel stories i love them because they they do not have room to mess around with mm -hmm. the nuance we have to just go from point to point to point yeah and this is where it starts everyone's just sort of marveling over how much stronger flash is than peter and you know flash is a little beefier peter looks really strong in these pictures yeah peter could beat me up so fast he, he looks like a definitely a strong guy also nobody's on his side even just as the underdog you think somebody would be be rooting for him like if in my high school the high school quarterback was gonna box the biggest nerd i think we all would be on the nerd side i don't know who would be rooting for the <laughs> for the for the jock doesn't flash pick on anyone else that's sort of rooting for peter in this moment does he? Does he? No. They all they all think Parker's a coward. They're like, Parker's a coward. He's trying to stay out of Flash's reach. So maybe they just don't. Oh yeah, like once that. The, once the match starts, Peter's reflexes are so good that when he's just dodging it, the classmates interpret him as running away. Yeah. Um the Spider Sense is keeping him out of reach. Mm -hmm. Um which is just a great picture too. A spider sense sort of kind of going out from his head, looking at Flash. It's really cool. I would think if somebody was a super capable, supernaturally powered person, you would instantly be able to recognize in the ring, oh, that person's good at fighting. Yeah. I don't think you'd miss that. That Like people who are good at stuff, it's like, like I'm not a boxing fan or whatever, but I've occasionally watched boxing matches and I can see, oh, these guys are good at fighting. <laughs> but nobody Comics, interprets it that way. Marvel Comics characters are so quick to label someone a coward. So quick. <laughs> Anytime a superhero like runs off, like uh, there's that Fantastic Four issue very early on where Reed Richards runs off the to build a device to save the day and the thing goes ah oh, Reed's a coward it's like this guy has been with you through all these adventures you know he's yeah, not a coward you've, you've risked each he's other's lives building so inventions many, yeah but they just jumped to that okay, conclusion so we're in the boxing ring Peter's trying to decide how can I hit Flash without hitting him too hard because I'm so powerful and I don't want to really hurt him and I also don't want to give away so he does what he says is the lightest tap and it like sends Flash flying out of the ring through the ropes into a crowd <laughs> I mean 
that should stop the fight. (laughs) No matter what, if a guy hits somebody out of the ring, the fight should, in a professional boxing match, if one of the boxers hits someone and they fly out of the ring, the fight's over, right? I mean, Flash has a concussion for sure right now. Yeah. He's got question marks floating around his head. That's a sure sign of a concussion. That's the first thing a doctor looks for. Yeah, the floating question mark. That's the NFL's big thing. It's like, you've been ignoring those question marks floating around these players. So nobody can accept that Peter hit Flash a heart, so they instantly start concocting a story. Oh, Flash is clowning around on purpose. He's trying to make Parker look good. Which, if he was, is an amazing trick to leap backwards out of a ring. And we go into Flash's head and he's like, I tripped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tripped over a thing. I can't tell you how excited I am reading this page. And I remember when I was uh, the fight for the first time, like I, I was so happy to see Parker give it to Flash. All right. So we cut away from this and the super obvious criminals are successfully um, have successfully gotten alone with the robot and are trying to steal it. Yeah, because um, everybody in the school is watching the boxing match. <laughs> Okay, but they and they they punch out the attendant guy who brought it from ICM, Mr. Petty. He has a name. Yeah, sorry, yes, uh, Mr. Petty, Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. It's Tom Petty. Um, and then they bump into the panel and somehow hit the fight to the death mode and yeah. trigger this robot into fight for your life. And I, I will say, and maybe this is unpopular, this page is stupid and bad. <laughs> <laughs> they bump into it, trigger a, a machine that should not have arms or legs. It should. It, it you don't gives need it. answers. You don't need it. And the living brain starts spinning its arms around and trying to kill everybody. And in that Marvel way, you just go like, ah, all right. Yeah, sure. We need the fight to happen. So it's we just going to happen. We need in this high school right now. So, okay, Fernie, I will, I'm going to, I have to a rebuttal for you. So okay. sort of, the story is totally dumb. <laughs> However, I love the pictures of the living brain once it goes nuts and its arms are like whirling about like some weird angry vending machine. <laughs> and it's, and it's sort of like hurtling through space. I love the drawings of it. I, they, they stick out in my mind a lot. And I think that, uh, it does look like a formidable machine. That's going to be hard to stop, you know, like, like a heavy safe, just like hurtling through the hallways. I feel like there aren't many Spider-Man villains. I will say this about, but I will say this here. I'm confident I could defeat the living. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a hundred percent confident that with a small amount of just, just as long as I see it coming, like if it gets behind me, sure. I could defeat the living brain and looking at these pictures, what I would do is I would lie down in front of it since it doesn't have any sort of vertical joint and trip it over off those ball bearings. Okay. And then I would have defeated the living brain. That, that's how I would defeat the living if brain. If I'm ever given supernatural power, if I ever meet a genie, my first wish is going to see that happen. Okay, yeah. But again, I have to know it's coming. I can't be snuck up. I will, I will let brain. you set all the... It will get me. I'll let you set it all. I'll, I'll let you... I mean, the problem here now is, Fernie, the living brain can think, and it's now heard this podcast and will know your weakness. <laughs> the living brain is you. not hooked up to the internet. That's insane <laughs> to assume that it can hear anything it on the downloads internet. downloads it onto its iPhone. <laughs> it's spitting out tape to tell you coded <laughs> answers. So the living brain is going is running amok in the high school. Meanwhile, back at the boxing ring, Peter is like, okay, I think I figured out how I can hit Flash without totally demolishing him. I'm just going to flip my wrist. Um, and so he prepares to finish off Flash. Uh, but Flash turns his head because someone's like, the living brain is going crazy. <laughs> Which would make me turn my head too. <laughs> and yeah. Just Peter, that sentence. Even if you don't know there is a living brain, if someone yelled that, yeah. you would turn and go, huh? Just what are you talking about? But Peter, even though he has super fast, precise reflexes, Flexes can't stop his punch and knocks Flash unconscious. Couldn't stop the flick of his wrist. <laughs> and yeah. I was saying, something that, that now for sure Flash's concussion. He's been hit twice really hard yep. in the head. This is this issue. I feel like Dicko 
uh, is like honestly nailing anatomy in a way that in the earlier issues, sometimes the characters would look more insane. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of times here, both here when the boxing match and in, in Spider-Man where like the muscles make more sense than yeah. some of those earlier ones. Yeah. Uh, and this boxing match is you can feel him kind of like figuring out how arms would work in these pose. Like he's showing off and it's really working. It's 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 great art. I mean, um, and the facial expressions, I think, are a plus. They feel so great. It also feels a little almost archie ish, like Flash very archie has like just these looks on his face that are so funny, a little cartoonish, but kind of rooted in the reality of Spider-Man. It's kind of a tall order for Ditko. It's like draw this weird robot and he's got to look this way, but still be defeatable. Also draw this boxing match. Also draw like teenagers kind of bullying each other. There's sort of a it's kind of a a pretty ambitious issue uh, just like drawing wise Um, okay so Peter's knocked out Flash everybody calls him a coward because he did it when Flash wasn't looking Uh, he doesn't care he drags Flash to the locker room even just picking up another student and ably carrying him (laughs) to the locker room we should see that Peter's really strong but he he doesn't care he's got to get into a Spider-Man costume to defeat the living brain so he does that Uh, he gets into a Spider-Man costume that is so now we see the big climactic fight of the issue which is Spider-Man versus this robot that has elbows but no knees and can and can print out paper at any time, answering any <laughs> question, right. which he doesn't even use in this fight. It's a, a big mistake. Use that. You've got that ability. Start spitting paper at Spider Man. Print out some mathematically encoded personal insults at Spider Man. Um, okay, so we see the fight. What do we think of this fight here? I think this. Uh, uh, I, th- I love some of the a lot of the art in this fight, but I don't enjoy this fight because it's about five pages of Spider Man going, "I'll punch him." Oh, that's right. He's smart. I'll stick to the ceiling. Oh, yes. I forgot. He is smart. I will web him. <laughs> ah, this robot's so smart. Like, they just repeat that pattern over and over and over. Uh, although it has a great panel where Spider-Man literally gets stepped on by two goons. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, there definitely is an aspect to Stan trying to convince us that this brain is an actual threat. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't feel like a real threat. It doesn't really feel like a problem. Um, well, like he's, able, he's able to break. He can break Spider-Man's web. That's that's a... Uh, I mean, it feels like a little bit more of a problem than like a runaway truck. (laughs) You'd want to deal with that and Spider-Man be a great person to handle it. But it's not the vulture. It's definitely not Dr. Octopus. And presumably it has some sort of power source, which means eventually like you just gave one out. It'll tucker itself out. It'll power down like this has a limited shelf life of danger. Yeah, there's no below his pay grade. And and for Spider-Man, I think. I don't know. I don't know. The robot realized he should pluck off a door and swat at him with a door. That's a good move. (laughs) That's not a bad move for a robot no he lay in wait behind a door hiding from spider-man and then like surprised him by knocking the door onto him when spider-man got close i mean i love i mean if this was just pictures this looks great throughout yeah some of these are my favorite of the early like just dicko drawings of spider-man like where you can see 30 years later people doing this version of like there's like there's like todd mcfarlane of like when he was like just butchering spider-man yeah but you can see him going oh okay yeah that's what i wanted like that's where he looks cool and you can understand why he's like agile and strong. Oh, yeah. Definitely did go like lay the blueprints for yeah. how cool Spider-Man can look in a hand-to-hand fight. I mean, just skipping um, way ahead to page 11 where he's sort of ricocheting off the hallway walls back and forth. It's so yeah. great. Just watching Spider-Man sort of bounce around is really fun. So um, we move ahead a little bit in the fight and Spider-Man gets like caught by the brain. He gets close and the brain grabs him by the wrist, sort of a la Dr. Octopus, which I think Spider-Man should be fast enough to dodge the brain. Well, we, but should he, talk he about the do- we should talk about the door that falls on Spider-Man a little bit more. Okay. Okay, all right. So that so, right well, before well, right before the brain grabs him, the brain knocks over a door onto Spider-Man's back and rolls over him. 
Yeah, those and, ball bearings, they're so menacing. <laughs> and Spider-Man, luckily the brain thinks Spider-Man's down, done. And so Spider-Man is safe below the door. But then the two crooks <laughs> run over the door and knock him back down. <laughs> like a farce at that moment. They don't notice him. They don't notice there's a body underneath the door. They just run over it. And he's not embarrassed. Saying, yeah, he's not you know, embarrassed. He's just listening in on their conversation going, aha, now I know what's up. <laughs> Uh, so now that he knows what's happening, he charges at the brain, and this is where the brain grabs him by the wrists and gets him, right? Yeah. Um, and this is where you, this is where they finally go like, oh, the, the brain is super strong. Like, Spider-Man can't break away, and he's going like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And then the brain, not being very smart, just kind of throws him, <laughs> just gets him back to where Spider-Man's safe. Right, the brain throws Spider-Man away to hurt him, but he maybe doesn't know about the, he should know about the webs, but Spider-Man uses his webs to prevent himself from being hurt. He stays up in the ceiling, the robot grabs a door and swats at him. A lot of door combat. I also think Spider-Man could have taken the hit against the wall and been fine. Yeah. Yeah, he's, we've seen him fall like multiple stories. Um, He webs onto the brain, but the brain spins really fast to confuse Spider-Man. So that's a move most computers can't do. That's true. I've never seen a computer do that. Will? Uh, My iPhone is not able to spin in place and thwart me. So yeah. That's sophisticated. Good, good. Um, so yeah, this battle continues. Um, this is the second big battle in this high school, right? The Sandman attacked three or four issues ago. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the living brain is here. So if anybody's trying to figure out who Spider-Man is, you might want to notice that it's where Peter Parker goes to high school. Um, and the, the, the living brain grabs him again. And Spider-Man gives the very heroic line of, I can't wiggle off in time. <laughs> uh and then they keep presenting and say, oh, like he's basically the, the living brain is just heading for some stairs. I think the issue here is that he might topple down some stairs, which seems like a minor threat. It seems like he should be ready to handle it, but he can't. Also, Spider-Man, we he defeats the living brain when he's grabbed for the second time. Spider-Man is able to turn him off there. I finally reached his control switches and he turns he turns the brain off. He like he uh, immobilizes him or whatever, like t- turns his functions off. Yeah. He's, so now he's just hurtling toward these stairs. Yeah. Just momentum the is now the supervillain of this issue. Yeah. <laughs> it's just inertia. So Spider-Man can't get free. He's headed for these stairs. He'll be crushed, which I think would hurt him, but not too bad. But he avoids it anyway by using his webs, which he uses all the time. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, swings out a like, conveniently located window and then right back in the building. And so the brain comes to rest. He's able to get himself free. And that that villain is defeated. Um, meanwhile, the two thugs are trying to escape because they they realize they bit off. Wait, their, their plan went so horribly wrong. <laughs> they never got one horse tip off of this robot. They, they bumped into it with their elbow. And from that moment, it was over. <laughs> they're being chased by a robot. Spider-Man's there. Um, so now they're just trying to get the hell out of Dodge. But they trip over a recently awakened Flash Tom in the locker room. They, I mean, these guys suck, right? They're terrible. They, they <laughs> They're both run into it. Flash Thompson is tying his shoes. They both run into him. <laughs> <laughs> Flash Thompson a moment earlier just said, drat this knotted shoelace. I, I love that line so much. <laughs> and they're and they're knocked unconscious, right? Like they're really bad at being thieves. They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone assumes, gives Flash, who still has question marks around his head, that concussion still going on. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Everyone thinks he saved the day. And I love this ending of Peter Parker now fucking with Flash again. Oh, I, lo- I love this ending. It's, so Flash sees everybody funny. giving, or Peter sees everybody giving Flash credit, and he suggests the idea that maybe Flash is Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, so, side note, I, I want to say that Flash Thompson looks like David Lynch uh, on the last page of the <laughs> Living Brain Story, panel four. He's got a he's got a David Lynch look going to me. 
Um, but anyway, he uh, Peter suggested Flash. Maybe maybe he's Spider Man. I mean, that's a good guess to be honest. Yeah, the most he's, athletic uh, member of the school, somebody who is a huge fan of Spider Man, though he also dressed up as Spider Man once. <laughs> And got prank, the crap beat out of But if you're trying to if you're trying to make the story that he's Spider Man, that oh, it's like you got captured by Doctor Doom. Why would he? Why would Doctor Doom have been after you? That's why the Sandman came to this school. Yeah. How did Spider-Man get here so fast? You know, you got dragged to the locker room and then Spider-Man appears a second later. Uh, it's a pretty ingenious ploy by Peter Parker. Um, I think Flash Thompson looks legit hilarious as he's trying to protest it. He looks really genuinely confused and yeah. bewildered. Yeah. <laughs> he has a concussion. I mean, it's very hard to focus when you have a concussion. He's had a heck of a day. Yeah. He broke his friends. He broke his classmates' glasses. He got the crap beat out of him by the biggest nerd in the school. <laughs> and now he's being wrongfully credited as being Spider-Man. I mean, it's just disorienting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's confusing. I think this whole issue, if you had sort of re-dialogued the living brain fight to have Spider-Man sort of laughing at himself for having so much trouble, <laughs> this becomes yeah. a great, hilarious issue, sort of a comedy episode because uh, the subplot's definitely funny and fun and I think they just tried to make the living brain too serious and it's yeah. a fun story like him under the door is very funny him falling down the stairs is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, when he's trapped by the brain and the brain's headed to the stairs and he says, this is a nutty way for a super hero to reach his end like he's kind of like yeah what if i die this way this is stupid <laughs> yeah you're right that is the attitude that works um let's get into this so there's a backup feature which i really love which is a spider-man fighting the human torch for no reason mm -hmm. uh it's drawn by jack kirby so this is the the other big artist of marvel comics i mean the biggest artist yeah. of marvel comics like this is sort of like spider-man who's becoming the biggest character of marvel now being drawn by the premier artist of marvel so it's kind of a cool thing going on mm -hmm. yeah and it's still inked by ditko which i I think helps give it that continuity between the issue because Ditko was one of the few artists Marvel had that wasn't simply doing Kirby style. Yeah, Ditko had his own style. Ditko is also one of the few artists that would ink his own stuff. Like Kirby would draw and somebody else would always ink Kirby's stuff because Kirby was doing so many pages. Yeah. He would never have time to ink his own things. I mean, at this point, um, Kirby's doing Fantastic Four and Thor every month. And also a lot of the Avengers, I think. And then probably and he would also, layouts for the X-Men. I mean, he's doing a ton. He would also do just like very quick sketched breakdowns for comics that other people would actually pencil and then ink. Like sometimes he would do like a couple of pages of Iron Man or something to get it going. Right, or if Strange Tales was uh, didn't have an artist, he would come in and help them out and get them started. Yeah, he's drawing a, a huge amount of stuff. So I, I remember when I was a kid, I did not realize this was a different artist. Although now that I've read a lot of Kirby and Ditko, I can see that all the human beings yeah. have those Kirby faces, those like weird square Kennedy <laughs> eyebrows and sort of super square jaws like it's it's obvious to me now that this is a Jack Kirby art but I didn't know it when I was a kid this definitely feels more like a Fantastic Four story in a weird way uh, with Spider-Man guest starring so let's get to the point that Fernie brought up Spider-Man is a complete villain in this story he's yeah, the worst he's awesome. <laughs> he's awesome. Johnny Storm is hanging out with his friends Spider-Man is clinging to a chimney and spying on him yeah he's and a creep crashes a party where every all of the other people at the party are like why is Spider-Man we don't <laughs> want Spider-Man to be here. Yeah. We aren't doing anything wrong. We're having a nice time with a celebrity and Spider-Man literally smashed a window uh, and just ruined everything. Yeah, his thinking was he wanted to show Human Torch's girlfriend what she's missing out on. Yeah. That's <laughs> awful. That's awful. This is like the, uh, this story is indulging the part of the nerd fantasy that is unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. Like part of Spider-Man's appeal is that Peter Parker sort of is the emotional representation of the comic book reader. He's a nerd. He's misunderstood. He's left out. So you, you connect with him, right? But then this is the part of the nerd psyche that we should 
not celebrate, which is the violent revenge for no reason. Um, yeah. Feeling wrong. This is the, feeling wrong because somebody else has a girlfriend. <laughs> like, the, you know, Johnny is presented here as the popular, good looking guy that everybody loves. He's at this party full of good looking people. He drives up in a sports car. I think it's supposed to be Spidey as the nerd sort of making the torch think a little bit about not taking for granted his lifestyle or something. But no, it's just Spidey as an angry person for no reason trying to punish somebody. And, and even jumping ahead, he then continues to be a dick to the rest of the Fantastic Four as well. Like yeah. By the end of it, it's not just like if it was Johnny, be like, oh, that's their relationship. When Reed and Sue and Ben show up, Spider-Man is like, yeah, fuck y'all too. Like, I hate all of you. Sue, you're all right. Because again, I'm a creep. Yeah, I'm a uh, creep and you're a girl. So I'm the rest just, of you guys I hate. I objectify you. So yeah. you're all right. But the rest of you, I uh, hate for no reason. He's always a jerk to the Fantastic Four. He's weirdly jealous of them. Yeah. I wonder if it's like Stan Lee being like, well, there are two most popular properties. They should be rivals or something like that. Or But Stan Lee's writing both of them. So it's not like he has a rival. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spider-Man is a jerk, but I still love, the, I remember as a kid, this fight, it's fun to watch Spider-Man go up against them again. Oh, Jack Kirby's just yeah. the best at superhero fights. Like, he's so inventive. Uh, we've got, how many pages is this fight? It's one, two, six pages. Three and a half. But the, the fight, it's, oh, it's Well, six? some of those pages are just. Oh, yeah. The whole uh, story is six pages. Through a window. The whole story is six, but the actual torch Spidey fight is like half a page here, one, two. It's like three pages ish, and uh, it's super fun. Yeah, it's Spider-Man. like two and a half versus the torch, and then like two versus the the rest of the Fantastic Four. And it's like the torch throwing like flame arrows and flame buzz saws, sure. Uh, and oh. then Spider Man, like Spider Man, using I love that using his webs to make these big nets that scoop up sand that he throws at the torch to yeah. douse his flame is like a great, Oh, it's fun, great. I mean, if moment. you wanted to use modern technology to make a good fight between Spidey and the torch, this isn't a bad script for you. Also, the torch uses like his flame powers to create a little mini earthquake. Yep. Then he throws a huge flame like net at Spider-Man. It looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. I like also that Spider-Man a little bit is like, I'm going to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> I picked on a... Um, flame elemental <laughs> i picked on like an unnatural demon and then there's a reveal that the rest of the fantastic four are just sitting on a sand dune watching this happen yeah why yeah. were these two teenagers why were they hanging out outside this party <laughs> why were they hanging around and not getting involved until this point they're just so not worried about the human torch i guess that makes sense they fought like celestial beings from outer space they're probably not too worried about spider-man but look at how much of an asshole spider-man is so they reveal that they're there and the first thing reed richard says is can i give you a hand son and and Spider-Man ties him up and hurls him against a rock. Yeah. <laughs> like he's literally just been like, oh, you fell down because my brother-in-law tried to burn you alive. Yeah. Let me help you. And Spider-Man's like, no. And just... <laughs> smashes him against a rock. That's yeah. insane. I guess to have the fun of the fight of Spider-Man versus the Fantastic Four, we need Spider-Man to be the ultimate asshole or it would take too many pages to justify it. Um, I don't. I can't come to Spider-Man's defense. My, uh, my favorite superhero is being a real jerk here. <laughs> yeah, it's a great fight though. I mean, don't forget also that this story, this fight is a little bit of a tribute to teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> and then Spider-Man's eventually defeated after repeatedly insisting that he can beat up the thing, which is fundamentally not true. Yeah, the thing would destroy Spider-Man. Uh, his big plan is he makes wings. 
and he's going to crash down onto the thing and pulverize him, which is fun. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. No. Uh, but then he's defeated by the invisible woman who up until now has just been quietly chilling and she just turned invisible and then caught him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she has her force shields yet or she would have used them. Yep. Yeah. She does once not. the invisible, once the invisible woman, she's really the invisible girl here, but I can't bring myself to say it because yep. I'm 1% progressive. Uh, the invisible woman, um, once she gets the ability to have invisible force shields, she becomes a lot more powerful of a, yeah. of a fighter. It was a really pathetic move to make the the only female character in your premiere book just turn invisible. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, but she saves the day. She grabs the... the She sneaks up on Spider-Man because he can't see her. His spider sense doesn't work. Oh, yeah. And she um, grabs the wings and subdues him. And so... Then compliments gives him for up being dreamy. And... Oh, yeah. I'll all girls. handsome as you that every are. Male is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he leaves a heart for the invisible... For the invisible girl. And that's the end of the... That's the end of our fight. If yeah. I was a teenager, I would feel honored. It was a lot... Very representative of the high school I went to. I remember <laughs> when people would throw flaming buzzsaws at me and be like, okay, well, I'm going to make two little parachutes and I'm going to soar through the air. Yep. I related a lot to that mm-hmm. story. Um, let's give out our awards. Let's um, do it. This is another segment, I believe. Yeah, this is our next segment, the award segment. So, Kevin, what's your favorite panel? Okay. Um, I'm... I saw we have a Google Doc that shows me what you selected, and I was going to pick the same panel, but I'm going to pick a different one just for okay. sake of variety. Uh, okay. So on page uh, six, the second the panel, uh, yeah, the living brain story. The second panel is what I'm picking, um, where Flash okay, is trying yeah. to punch him, and Spider-Man is too quickly dodging Spider Sense lines coming out. It's just a really cool looking composition. That's my second favorite panel of the issue. My first favorite is your favorite as well. All right, my favorite is two panels later when Peter Parker punches Flash in the face and he's got like a complete farcical Marx Brothers or Bugs Bunny yeah uh, reaction and I uh, side his hair is must his jaw is askew the concussion question marks are in force guys that's unanimous that's also my favorite panel <laughs> we it, all love it's a Flash panel Thompson. from Mad Magazine it's so spectacular it's great it is a Mad Magazine it stands out and it's very not Dicko-y. Like, it, like no. I can't think of anything else I've ever seen that, like, comes anywhere near that that he has drawn. That's true. It's not very like him. The closest thing that's come like this is later on in this same issue. Later on when he gets punched again. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite Stanley dialogue? Okay, so my favorite dialogue was from the Spider-Man Human Torch fight. And it's where uh, the thing basically has got Spider-Man up on a rock and uh, uh, right. and is threatening him. And, he, and Spider-Man just says, you're concerned for my welfare touches me deeply. Uh, I like the moments when he sort of changes tones. He was so angry up to that moment. I like the sarcastic uh, compliment. <laughs> well, you got to finish that line because I think the rest of it's good too. Sure. When did you join the Salvation Army? Sort of get a little, <laughs> a little more That's a real thing. by the yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, Fernie, what's yours? My fa- mine is, is so mundane, and I think that's why I like it. It's okay. when the living brain first goes nuts, and it bursts into a classroom, and the dialogue <laughs> is, look, it's it's the giant computing machine, but nobody's <laughs> controlling it, <laughs> which is intended as this sort of like, oh, no, a horrible threat. You know, the, the Green Goblin is here. And instead, if someone said that to me, it'd be like, okay, <laughs> no one's controlling the computing machine. That's fine. Um, it really makes me laugh. I love it. Mine is in the Torch Story, page three. Panel three, because it confused me when I was a kid. Um, but the torch says, "Okay, Big Mouth, you've had your chance. You won't leave peacefully. Uh, I'm going to toss you out on your pointy ear. Flame on!" But my pick for the dialogue is Spider-Man's response, which is, "Who writes your dialogue, Squirt? Frank Merriwell?" <laughs> a tribute which to I teenagers. I I didn't know who that was. I had to look it up too. I but I looked it up, and it, I guess it was the a very popular character in a bunch of like dime store pulpy. 
like a Hardy Boys kind of guy, like a recurring character in a bunch of adventure stories. But he was like a jock that just always won. Yeah. So he was like an aspirational hero of high schoolers. But in the 20s and 30s. He had a comic strip too, which makes me think Lee must have read it growing up because in that time period, he was like, there was this comic strip of him in college just winning football games. That was what it was. So I think (laughs) this is somebody that would make sense to who grew up with Stan Lee, but to the kids of the 1960s, I'm not so sure they were that invested in Frank Merriwell. I wonder if maybe if it was like purposefully, like if they would have gotten in like, oh, that's something dad likes. Like that's how it would have been understood is like Peter Parker saying, you're lame because you're sounding like this old timey thing like that's the only way that makes sense to me um all right what's our highlights our highlight for the story kevin you want to go first i mean i think we're all going to pick the same highlight but mine is the boxing match uh the idea that peter finally gets to fight flash is everything it's it's the whole comic I love it. I love Matt's mine too. I love that they call him a coward during it. I love that he gets to hit Flash. It still doesn't really change the dynamics of anything in the in the in the world. It's not my highlight. Okay, what? my highlight comes from the backup story, and I th- we didn't talk about it, but it makes me laugh so much that Spider-Man, while stalking Johnny Storm to get revenge, uses his webs to make a six-foot bat <laughs> and then flies it through a window, and everybody freaks out understandably because a six foot webbing bat is flying around a power that doesn't make any sense. It has individual fingers and a face (laughs) and it's flying around and Johnny Storm tries to hit it with a pillow and gets caught in the webs. And that's the funniest thing I've ever, that is gibberish. It makes me laugh so much. (laughs) Why a bat? Why would you do that? (laughs) I think Jack Kirby in that backup story was like mad that he's not doing Spider-Man. He's like, this is what I was doing Spider-Man, you'd be getting stuff like a webbing bat every issue. He's like trying to show the readers what they're missing. I mean, they're missing something. Um, I don't know whether it's good or not. What's our low light? Uh, my low my light. Low, is, okay, go, go, Fernie. My my low light's a big one, uh, and, and maybe controversial. My low light is the entire fight with the living brain. <laughs> I think I could. In fact, that nothing ever happens beyond what the first thing. The, I love the door. You can remove the door because the door is great. But besides that, it's just <laughs> Spider-Man being the dumbest <laughs> and forgetting that this thing is smart and strong. Yeah, and doing everything he can, and then going like, oh yeah, and like reading it. I found it like it's like six pages long. Yeah. Like, okay. Come on, Spider Man. That's a fair pick. And the box is boxing is so fun that you're kind of like it really makes it stand out. That was more interesting. Go back to that. The great B story makes that A story pretty lame. Kevin, what's your low light? Um, The the crooks scheme. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That these crooks, who I guess were picking up some temp work, moving uh, living brains around, (laughs) decided to steal a living brain that they don't know how to operate, so they can get horse winning horses at a track. None of it makes sense. It just was a bad plan. Even if they had pulled it off perfectly, it was a bad plan. I have to assume that the Living Brain program was ended after this demonstration at the high school where the Living Brain tried to kill everybody <laughs> in the school. Um, my little light is... It's too easily triggered to kill. <laughs> just slight bump. Uh, my little light is uh, also from the Living Brain. It's that at the end of the story, Peter's like, well, I'll just throw the Spider-Man identity reveal away and nobody will think about it again. Like, I think that's a lame answer to that story story because some I, I assume there's other living brains that somebody could just say who's spider-man if that's his if that's all it takes to figure out who he is it, it's also disappointing um, that we don't know if the living brain figured it out yeah we never find out i'm gonna say no <laughs> and guys, I get—I don't want to be a dead horse here, but he makes a bat out of webs, and everyone reacts. They react appropriately. They all kind of go, "What the fuck are you doing, Spider-Man? Why did you throw a bat made of webs into our party?" 
And then he takes a bow like a fucking asshole. Yeah. And is like, you're welcome. Oh, I love uh, I love that panel of him leaning in the doorway. It's so, yeah, it's so great. Such an asshole. I don't know. You're, you're making – the more you argue against it, Freddy, the more I'm liking Spider-Man being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that, party was, like that party was lame until Spider-Man showed up. It's just the torch showing off. I think he was right to send in a big six-foot web back. <laughs> that party was just people dancing in infrared spotlights. Come on. That sounds great. I would go to that party. I'd much rather see a party where Spider-Man fights the Human Torch. Um, next segment, reader mail. Kevin, what do we got? We've got no reader mail. Uh, okay. If we did, uh, we'd read it now and we'd have some fun comments about it. Uh, yeah. So send us a mail at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Yeah. Right? That's right, right, that's, Kevin? That's how you do it. Um, uh, we are getting some great out. comments on Twitter and Instagram, so you can also comment there. Uh, so maybe at some point I should call that stuff in and talk about it. Uh, but it's mostly just like a good podcast or I like this issue and things like that. Uh, but screw it, Spidey, yeah. on Instagram and Twitter. We have some great comments. The Instagram is really great. Kevin is picking amazing panels to show. So if you're a fan of Spider-Man, I, I really passionately recommend our Instagram account. Um, let's move on to the see, memory. If you want to see oh. this giant spider, that's the account to follow. Oh, the, the giant spider <laughs> the giant web bat. Yeah. yeah, it's so, it's amazing. People <laughs> react so honestly to this web bat. If, if, a bat. if a web bat flew in right now, Will and I would react exactly like these people. <laughs> like, why did you do that? Yeah, what's Get happening? Get it out of here. One of you would grab a pillow. Yeah. What's um next segment is memory lane. Do we have any personal memories associated with this issue? Uh, I have one, which is that uh, I, I Human Torch was my favorite hero when I was a kid. I wanted to like dress up as the Human Torch for Halloween, which was impossible. <laughs> uh, I tried to do it, and everyone just assumed I was a devil, and it frustrated me when I was trick or treating. But um, so I was super excited to see the Torch and Spidey sort of be in a story together. Even as like a nine year old. Re- getting the issues reprinted. I was like, ooh, Torch and Spider-Man. So um, I guess my memory is failing to dress up as the Human Torch for Halloween. This is maybe, it's not exactly about this issue, but like it's kind of started here in the, I think, annual or whatever where they first met. But when I was a kid, my favorite issues were where Spider-Man and Torch would hang out. And they'd always like hang out on like the top of the Empire State Building or something. Yeah. Fight, pissily fight each other. Yeah. Get together. And especially by the time, by like the 80s, like I, I was like, especially as a kid, I loved loved it when characters got along. Like yes, I, did, yes. I, I loved it. Like I liked it when Skeletor and He-Man had to team up to fight the snake people. Um, <laughs> and so I loved Spider-Man and Torch. Yeah. Like, and seeing this issue here as they start to like, here they don't like each other at all. But like that getting to that point where like, oh, they have like a legit friendship in this Marvel universe that's been consistent over 50 years. I love years. the Spidey-Torch I friendship. I love it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things in the Marvel universe. Yeah, I guess the idea is that these two teenagers started being superheroes at the same time. They've been around since superheroes existed in this universe. And they're it. They're the only and peers they, they really have for each other. And they can still use, like, there's a, I think it was that new two-in-one book they're doing, Marvel's doing, that has a thing and, and yeah. Torch. And, like, yeah, Spider-Man comes because something's wrong with Torch and he yeah. wants to try to help him. And it's like, one, they've never undone that. And it's always been this kind of, like, nice human thing that I love. Yeah, the current uh, spectacular I, Spider-Man comic basically so far has been, like, a flash, uh, uh, or rather, Human Torch Spider-Man team-up book. Yeah. Human Torch has mm-hmm. been in every issue. <laughs> Um, let's move on to comics recommendations. We recommend comics every episode. So, uh, Fernie, do you want to go first and share our guests? Sure. Uh, Kevin and I have talked about this on Facebook a little bit, but I think one of my favorite Marvel books ever is the Kelly Thompson run on Hawkeye. Mm. Uh, and I also think that Kate Bishop Hawkeye 
uh, is one of my favorite current Marvel characters. And that run, it's ending at soon, I think, like issue 16, which is a, a, a travesty. Uh, and basically, it picks up from the Fraction AHA run where uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye is kind of leaving Clint Barton. She's had enough and she comes to L.A. And in the Fraction run, they do this whole the long goodbye thing. And there's an Elliot Gould character buying cat food and, and she befriends that. Oh. Uh, and this takes up from there where she opens a P.I. business on, uh, on Venice. Uh, and it's so the art is incredible and fun and inventive and her characterization feels to me like what maybe these like young teen characters back in the 60s felt like then of like a modern younger person not written by some 50 year old dude like this is yeah. a really great characterization of a character that also I think plays where the stakes are high and it matters and it's emotional without being gritty or dour or depressing it's still super fun and she quips and I, I love that book it's really fun it's got like the, the sharp dialogue also and the wit of like early Joss Whedon Buffy and like those sort of shows that are sort of like oh these are like teenagers that are a little smarter just in a way that make it more fun yeah um, it's great it's a really fun book a- every issue has at least one big sp- when she goes into a place and they kind of take this from the Fraction Aha thing, but they run with it, where she'll walk into this two-page spread and you'll see the whole thing and all these people and they have they just create this visual language of these like little purple circles around <laughs> everything she sees as an opportunity or a target. And I've never seen a character like like the Clint Barton Hawkeye un- visually represent how they see the world with their amazing marksmanship. And this does it. Like it's, you're just like, oh, that's how she gets there is you can see five pages later, she clocked that thing. Uh, and it's, it's just such a cool visual, visual style. Yeah. It's a fun, it's like, uh, they're, they're funny and they're also smart. It's, it's got everything. It's a great book and nobody read it, I guess. I know, which is a, I think it's, it's, it's the best. Um, Kevin, what's yours? Okay. Um, I'm cha- I was going to recommend something else, but I'm going to save it for next week. Instead, I'm going to recommend a mini series that's been collected a few times called Spider-Man slash Human Torch. Uh, it's written by Dan Slott and drawn by Ty Templeton. And it's, uh, the story of Spider-Man and Human Torch's friendship told in five different eras. So the first story takes place roughly in this era. Uh, then there's like another one that takes place when Spider-Man had like an alien costume. There's another one uh, in the modern era. And it just basically follows them throughout their ages as they become, slowly become friends. And it's really wow. great. Really great. Uh, when did it come out? Oh, I don't know. Like 10 years ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, just mm-hmm. before Dan Slott, I think, started writing the actual Spider-Man comic. It is unbelievably good. Um, I'm going to spoil it right now for everybody. Uh, it's also where Spider-Man reveals that he's Peter Parker to the Human Torch in a way that just mm-hmm. makes complete sense because there's no reason to hide that from your best friend who's also a superhero. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the reveal is tremendously fun, but it also plays with all the stupid parts of their mythos. The spider car makes a cameo. Uh, the coffee <laughs> bean is definitely in there. Uh, <laughs> and it, like, it's just fun. Like the era when like comics were sort of gritty, it's sort of a darker take on both characters. It's great. And I, I it's five issues. It's, t- it's done in one. Um, if you've ever read Spider-Man comics, this will at, at some point tickle your memories of those issues. Uh, I'm going to um, recommend the uh, the one I mentioned, the Jack Kirby's um, hippie thing with the... Uh, so when Jack Kirby eventually went to DC and he wrote and drew some of Jimmy Olsen comics, it was Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, was like a long-running series. He did one where Jimmy grows a beard to find out what's going on at Guru Kama's Dream Pad, <laughs> which was a villain disguised as a hippie using hate ins to infiltrate youth culture. So he, he basically, he basically, uh, 
uh, finds a false guru and like debunks him. So um, guru commas dream pad for Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen is my recommendation because it's crazy. <laughs> Great. I'm going to read it. Uh, okay. Um, I think that's our it, uh, that's our episode. Guys. That's all of our segments. That's right. We've done all the segments. So uh, yeah, Fernie, thanks for being on our, for, our being our, for being our first guest. Thanks for uh, uh, acquiescing to my demands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which we will forever portray as having been way more aggressive and unreasonable mm-hmm. than they actually were. Um, um, good to finally be free of this obligation. <laughs> oh, I'll come back. I'm going to demand. <laughs> <laughs> I come back. Uh, so come back to uh, next episode where we do the next issue of Amazing Spider-Man, which is issue nine. And what's going on there, Kevin? Um, I don't remember. It's Electro. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> brand new villain. Thank God for any I'm pretty sure it's Electro. It All right. Great. So come back for issue. One of my favorite splash pages is the Electro splash page. Ooh, exciting. We will not be able to show it in this audio format, <laughs> nope. but we will talk about it. So, um, all right. Well, thanks uh, for listening, everybody, and see you next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Campfire.